Now I'm delighted to welcome the very gorgeous Hannah Watson, Senior Feature Writer for Take A Break magazine. Hello you. Hi Jill, how are you? I'm good thanks this week, how are you? I'm okay, I'm battling off a bit of a sort of cold tonsillitis situation, but I'm soldiering on. Oh Hannah, honestly, you are a heroine, that's it, you're a heroine. (laughs) Um, You should be in your bed, mind you it's too nice a day isn't it? It's beautiful down in London, I was was supposed to hit 26 degrees on Sunday so I'm planning to get in my garden, bikini on, start getting the summer tan. Robertson, Robertson. Um, I'll be out getting a moon tan <laughs> or chillblains, one or the other. Um, it's not too bad up here in Scotland today, I have to say. It's nice. There's a nice warmth to the air, but it's certainly not as warm as where you are. But I'm glad one of us is getting the sunshine. <laughs> I'll be thinking about you. Thank you. Oh, God, that makes a huge difference. <laughs> well, listen, it's great to have you on. It really is. We've got so much to get through today because you've got a couple of really, really great stories from Take a Break magazine. And we're starting off with this sounds scary Hannah Um, I'm going to kill us both yeah so this is from a lady called Lauren so Lauren was sitting in the cinema and she felt a hand reaching out for hers and put their fingers through her fingers and her tummy flipped she was on her first proper date she was only 15 and although the lad beside her um, was hardly a stranger because she'd known Leon since they were both little they'd become friends and now their friendship was blossoming into something more but not everyone was happy about it Lauren's mum said, I don't want you with that boy, he's trouble, everyone says so. But she was young and she thought she knew it all, so she said, I don't care what other people think. In time they moved in together, but after a while the gloss of first love began to dull and she started to see Leon in a different light. On one occasion they were out when he said, I don't like the colour of your trousers, go home and change. And another time he stopped her from seeing her friends and called them names. Meanwhile Leon went out all of the time, leaving her at home by herself. She didn't like being controlled, and when she found messages on his phone from another girl, it was the final straw. She packed her things and moved back with her mum. She expected her to say, I told you so, but instead she hugged her and said, it's the best decision you've ever made. Two weeks later, a friend told her that Leon had got another girl pregnant. She was heartbroken, but she knew she'd had a lucky escape. She'd always wanted to study childcare, so she applied for a course at a university and won a place. She still saw Leon around, but she looked the other way, and so did he, and that suited them fine. But then out of the blue one day, she received a text from him. It said, I still love you, can we get back together? She thought, no way, but the text continued. Leon wrote, you're the only one that understands me. Then one day she bumped into him. I'm different now, he said. I'm a good dad and I want to make a better life for myself, like you have. And she believed him. Then he touched her hand and something strange happened. Her tummy flipped. She told her mum and she said, no, Lauren, don't fall for it. But it was too late. She started seeing Leon again and this time their relationship seemed different. He took her out for meals and introduced her to his friends. And Lauren thought, he's really grown up. But her mum was furious and wouldn't speak to her. In time, Lauren completed her university course and got a job. She loved earning her own money and saved up to buy a Volks, um, a VW Golf. It was her pride and joy and she drove round to Leon's parents' house to show him. He looked at it and said, all right, for some. And in that moment, she knew that old Leon was back. As time went by, he became more jealous. She told him, I've worked for what I've got. You could do this the same. But he sneered and said, you think you're so much better than me. Then one evening, she was at a friend's house when there was a commotion outside. She opened the door and saw Leon. He was drunk. There's been a fight in town, he slurred. Drive me there. No, she said. Give me your keys and get in the car, he said. Lauren shook her head, but he went mad, punching the car windows and shouting. 
The only way to make him stop was to hand over the keys and get into the passenger seat. Then he got behind the wheel and started the engine. They set off through town and the car began to pick up speed. Slow down, she said, you're driving too fast. But Leon wasn't listening. She could tell that his mood was getting darker by the second and she, soon she started to cry. Why are you crying, he shouted. Then he punched the rearview mirror off the windscreen. My life's a lot harder than yours, he shouted. If you think you're so clever, why did you get involved in my life again? Then he looked her in the eye and something sent a chill down her spine. I'm going to kill us both, now, he said. Before she could react, he pulled hard on the wheel, sending the car careering off the road. It crashed through a fence, and then Lauren realised they were on a collision course with the side of a house. Stop, she screamed, but in the next instant there was a terrible crash, and Lauren thought, I'm going to die. Then everything went black. When she opened her eyes, she couldn't move. She had a pain in her back, but she knew she had to get out of the car. Leon appeared beside her. He rubbed the car keys on his jumper, then pressed them into her fingers. I'm sorry, he said. I'm not doing 25 years for you. Then Lauren passed out again. When she came to, she was in a hospital, and a doctor was by her bed. You're lucky to be alive, he said. She had severe bruising and also a back injury. The police came to see her and said her car had hit the house at between 50 and 60 miles per hour. Luckily, a woman and two children who were in the house escaped unhurt. She said, I thought I was going to die. He stuck the keys in my hand to make it look like I was driving. Then he left me there. Leon was arrested and in time, Lauren was able to go home, but she was still in pain. A scan revealed she had cr a crushed vertebrae. She couldn't lift children anymore, so she had to give up the job she'd worked so hard to get. And afterwards, she sank into depression. In time, Peter Leon O'Neill appeared at Teesside Crown Court. He admitted dangerous driving, assault occasionally and act actual bodily harm, and conspiracy to commit burglaries. The court heard he was high on drugs and alcohol when he smashed the car into the wall of her house, then ran off leaving her there. Leon's barrister told the judge he hadn't meant to crash the car and had only been trying to scare her. But the judge told Leon, you are a lethal menace to your girlfriend and other road users. He was jailed for four years. It was a relief to know he was behind bars, but Lawrence paid a terrible price. She hasn't worked since the crash, and there are days she can't stand up straight. She's still having treatment, but she don't know if she'll ever recover. Her mum warned her to stay away from Leon, and Lauren wishes that she'd listened. Do you know something? What a despicable human being. What a disgrace of a man. Isn't mm. that disgusting? Just terrible. I mean, what, what was the real reason behind that? It was just so unprovoked and awful. Just a disgrace. It really, really is. And that poor girl, I mean, she's worked so hard to achieve all her goals and ambitions in life. And, and you know, this one awful person just puts them all to oh I, I, I don't know sometimes you know the human race just absolutely bewilder mm. me Hannah they really really do yeah, and yet yeah. there's some really amazing people out there as well it's just so unfortunate that she met one of the bad ones yeah well hopefully she could move on and forget about him and he just seemed like such a jealous idiot, really. He really, really did. Well, listen, hopefully she'll meet somebody absolutely fabulous that will just take care of her and love her for, uh, and, and admire her for all her achievements. Yeah. OK, listen, let's move on to our next story from this week's Take a Break magazine. And uh, it's He's Got Superpowers, Mummy. Yeah, this is from a lady called Charlene. So Charlene had just finished the last of the washing up and she went into the living room to check on her two sons, James, three, and Mark, junior, ten months. And as always, their, their giant dog de Bordeaux do dog, Cass, was keeping an eye on them as they watched their cartoons. She sat on the sofa and said, cheer up, Cass, and she looked at the dog. 
Just weeks earlier, their other dog, Hercules, had passed away. Cass and Hercules had been inseparable, and they all felt as though they'd lost a member of the family. So that night, after she'd put the boys to bed, her and her husband, Mark, came up with a plan. He said, why don't we get a new puppy for Christmas? It's a brilliant idea, she agreed. Cass has been so down recently, it would be great for her to have a new companion. She knew a new puppy would be a lot of hard work with two small children, but she adored dogs and couldn't wait to welcome a new addition to the family. So the next week, they drove from their home to visit a dog breeder. Walking through the door, she couldn't contain her excitement as she set eyes on the litter of 11 puppies, the same breed as Cass. I'm afraid they're all sold, said the breeder, except this one. He's the last one standing. She felt her heart melt as Mark placed the most beautiful puppy in her lap. Taking in his big soulful eyes and velvety fur, she knew she wouldn't be going home without him. I'll take him, she grinned. They decided to call him Alfie. When the dogs met, Cass immediately showed Alfie who was boss. She made him eat his dinner after she had, and he copied her every move. But even from the outset, it was clear that Alfie had a favourite in the family, Mark Jr. Wherever he went, Alfie followed. When Mark Jr. started walking, Alfie lingered behind him and would nudge him back up whenever he toppled over. When he fell asleep in his pram, Alfie would lie down in front of the buggy and Cass would position herself on the other side. It's like they feel the need to protect him, Mark said. After two years, Alfie and Mark Jr. had both almost doubled in size and their bond was stronger than ever. Alfie weighed more than 13 stone, but he was such a gentle giant. When Mark Jr. sat on the sofa, Alfie would nestle as close to him as possible. Have you noticed that Alfie never leaves Mark's right-hand side, Mark said as they watched them playing together one afternoon. You're right, said Charlene. Dogs really can be funny at times. She didn't think anything more of it, but at three years old it was time for Mark Jr. to go to nursery. On his first day, they were about to leave when Alfie padded over to the front door and wouldn't budge. He looked at Charlene with big sad eyes and began to whimper. Luckily, Cass came along and budged him out of the way. They went through the same saga every day until eventually she caved in. She put Alfie and Cass in the car and from then on, they always came with her when she dropped Mark Jr. off and picked him up. One afternoon, Mark Jr. appeared with a small group of friends. They want to meet Alfie and Cass, he said. This is Mark's dog, Alfie, she said. No, mummy said Mark Jr. He's my twin brother. The kids were all ad- adored the dogs and she'd never seen Mark Jr. look so proud. A few months later, she picked Mark Jr. up and was handed a letter. It said a routine eye test given to all Scottish children before starting school had shown that Mark Jr. had astigmatism in his right eye. They had a referral to go to hospital to see a specialist. When she got home, she told Mark, I think Alfie knew it all along, he said. That's why he always walked and sat by Mark's right-hand side. Just like a guide dog, she said. It all makes sense now. At hospital, the eye specialist explained that Mark Jr.'s vision in his right side was completely blurred. He said, if this hadn't been picked up so early, Mark would have gone blind. She listened in shock. How did I not pick it up myself? I feel terrible. You weren't to know, said Mark. I didn't notice either. The only one of us who did was Alfie. The doctor explained Mark Jr. would have to wear an eye patch over his left eye to force his brain to use his right eye with the aim of improving his vision. He reached into a drawer and pulled out a selection, including a pirate's eye patch and a green army-style one. That one, said Mark Jr., and picked out the army patch. Mark Jr. was also fitted with a pair of dark red glasses. When they returned home, Alfie... Mark patted Alfie and said, You've got superpowers. He sure has, said Charlene, and she gave Alfie a whole roast chicken as a way of saying thanks. When the boys went off to bed, she said to Mark, I'm blown away. Mark Jr. and Alfie have always had a special bond, and now we know it's because he spotted his blindness even when he was tiny. Dogs are very intuitive, said Mark. 
Now Mark Jr.'s sight is gradually improving, although he'll never be able to see clearly through his right eye. Mark Jr. is too young to know just how special his very best friend is, but when he gets older, they'll tell him all about Alfie's incredible sixth sense. Do you know something? That's a lovely story. It really, really is. And thank goodness that, you know, this was picked up picked so up early. Yeah. Definitely. You know, they say that dogs have the most amazing um, powers of perception at times. And they're actually using dogs for, for you know, sniffing out cancer and things like that. Well, now. yeah, we get a lot of stories where um, the pets have, you know, they've been patting their owner in the same place. And then when they've finally gone to a doctor, it's because they're trying to tell them that they had cancer absolutely amazing it really is and obviously being a guide dog owner myself Hannah you know I know how incredible these animals are and just how intuitive they can be and Mm. you know my my wee boy is just you know I I couldn't go about my my daily business if it wasn't for him so the independence that that he affords me is just incredible but um Thank goodness for Alfie, eh? Yeah, they've got a really special bond. He's such a giant dog as well, next to such a little boy. Oh, He's so sweet. <laughs> I know, I was just thinking, you know, a dog de Bordeaux guide dog. <laughs> oh my goodness, that would take some amount of feeding and exercise. But uh, who knows what could happen in the future. Listen, Hannah, it's been so good catching up with you today. It really, really has. I am already sitting here green with envy at the thought of you and your bikini <laughs> sunbathing this weekend. But listen, have a great, great time. Thank you. And uh, Obviously, if anybody wants to get the current issue of Take a Break magazine, it is out now. It's brilliant, so please do go out and get it. But you can also take a look at the fully accessible website as well. Have you got the web address? Yes, it's www.takeabreak.co.uk. Fabulous. Well, listen, I hope your cold gets better, and we'll speak to you again here on RNIB Connect Radio very, very soon. Thanks, Jill. There we go. That's the fabulous Hannah Watson, Senior Feature Writer for Take a Break magazine.